Welcome to Series 4 of Behind Closed Doors podcast series. Hello, I am Donnie Walford, the founder and managing director of Behind Closed Doors. In today's episode, we are speaking with Trudy McDonald. Trudy is a multiple award-winning speaker and founder and managing director of Talent Code HR, a human resource consultancy assisting businesses drive performance through strategic people initiatives. She has co-founded or played a key executive role in four startup technology and human resource consulting businesses, three of which were acquired by international companies. So Trudy, I have been so looking forward to doing this podcast episode with you today because you've done so many amazing things with businesses across not just Australia, but Asia Pac and New Zealand. You've led a highly successful career in HR and have several executive roles within a variety of businesses, including those focused on technology, leadership, strategy and HR consulting. So tell us about your business talent code HR And what inspired you to pursue a career in organisational psychology? Thanks, Donnie. It's a really interesting one and it's a fascinating question because I think it takes me back to my younger years. I've always been fascinated by what makes people tick and also what it means to be a high performer. So as a child, through to the age of 18, actually, I was heavily involved in doing classical ballet. So for me, that was all about discipline. It was about goals. It was about really pushing yourself to the limit. So I always had this high performance mindset, but I think it really got solidified for me when I finished high school. I actually spent a year in Thailand as an exchange student and I was posted to a tiny little village in the northeast that didn't speak English. So for me, that was really the connection to understanding people. And the interesting thing was in the library in the town, there was only one book in English and it was a psychology textbook. So (laughs) I I, I think that was the turning point to go, you know what, I'm actually really interested about this. But fast forward to Talent Code HR, I started the business just over 10 years ago and that was after having some really incredible early career experiences doing startup businesses, living in the United States, working across Asia, New Zealand and really seeing experts in the space lead businesses and create high-performance teams. And I thought, you know what, this is something that I'm just so passionate about. So what Talent Code HR focuses on now is helping leaders build high-performance teams and ultimately achieving their goals for the organisation whilst creating great places to work. Oh, that sounds like I want to come (laughs) and work for you. (laughs) It's it's a lot of fun. It's widely accepted of that people are your greatest asset in business. And I know that all of what you do is putting people at the heart of your business. So what extent do you agree with that statement and why? I really think you can't do anything without people. Obviously, to create a high-performance organisation, there's so many different elements. But at the end of the day, you need the right people in the right roles, doing the right things. And I see this really come to life, particularly with leaders. And in fact, over the past two years with COVID, it's become really relevant that there's been a lot of role compression. And what I mean by that is leaders have rolled up their sleeves and often they're doing the work of managers and managers are dipping down and doing the work of their teams, all with good intention. But the opportunity, if you can get the right people doing the right things, is for roles to lift. And what that means is for leadership roles that they can do the work that they need to do, which is inspiring people, 
driving strategy, providing clarity of goals and direction, and ultimately creating a culture that will get the best out of people. And Trudy, when people are coming down the levels rather than staying up in that strategic space and that inspiring leadership space, they're not adding the best value to the business are they? But they think they are. Particularly, I find this in women. Yes, absolutely. That's right. And it's about building the collective intelligence of the team. And at the end of the day, it's not about the individual. So as an individual leader, it's really asking yourself and holding up the mirror, what is my role and where can I add most value? And it's elevating the role, not compressing the role, as you mentioned. So in today's disruptive and hybrid workplace environment, what do you think should be the top priority for leaders and does it differ before COVID pandemic? Yeah, look, it's interesting. Good leadership is good leadership. However, I think COVID has taught us a few things because it's really put a a spotlight on the need for human connection. And, And I think that would be the first priority I would mention. So People need to feel like they're part of something and they need to feel connected. So if you think about as human beings, we've all got our networks outside of work, whether it be the rowing club, religious groups, families, whatever it means, and we feel like we belong. People are now looking for that more than ever in the workplace. So connection, making sure that the workplace is a place where they feel valued, where they can be their authentic self, where they feel recognised for their contributions And with that, leaders needing to take a much more human-centred approach to work and how they design the interactions that people are having. And this connectedness, do you find this through the generations or mainly in the younger, the 20s, 30s year old? Are they looking more for connection than ever? Yeah, look, they are, but I think it's for everybody, Donnie, to be honest. At the end of the day, a lot of people have tolerated workplaces where they weren't being the best version of themselves. And I think the spotlight that COVID put on for all of us was that we're really looking for a place where we're going to feel valued, where we can be the best version of ourselves. So that would be the first theme. I think the second one is all about culture. So now the world, work is not a place that we go to. Work is something that we do. So whether we're working virtually or in person, how do we create a culture where we're collaborating, but not over-collaborating, which is actually a risk, holding each other accountable, sharing ideas, feedback, and the concept of psychological safety is particularly important. So how do we create an environment that increases intellectual tension, but decreases social tension, and people feel really safe in that kind of environment. And that's a lot of work you've been doing in this psychological safety area, isn't it? Absolutely. The best businesses need to continue to innovate. And unless you've got a culture that's defined by psychological safety, people will not innovate. They will not share ideas. They will not challenge. They will not question. So that would be my second priority. And then the third one, I think, is all around clarity people need to be working towards a common goal. They need something to unify them. So as a leader, it starts with having a really clear strategy, helping people understand what you can and can't control and subsequently where you focus your effort, your commitment to goals. So the interesting thing is if you look at resilient people, resilient people are not caught up in their own emotions in the past. Resilient people have a bias for action. So how do we start to train leaders and managers around shifting mindsets to the future rather than being stuck in our own emotions in the past. It means you need to be able to cascade that strategy down into meaningful goals. And then every individual in the business needs to understand what's the role that I'm going to play in delivering on this strategy. Mm, Definitely. 
Yeah, they would be my top three. Great and great tips too. So more than ever, leaders are playing a crucial role in building resilient teams. So share with our listeners your top tips for building resilient teams in times of great change, much like what we've been experiencing over the last two or so years. Yeah, Donnie, this is such a a focus area for so many leaders and organisations at the moment because people are fatigued with change and we can't stand still. That's the reality. So we need to keep evolving and changing even though people are exhausted. So we're doing a lot of work in this space. The foundation for this is actually self-care. So getting the basics right and making sure that people understand that they need good sleep, they need exercise, they need nutrition, they need a social balance. The concept of having a third space so you can transition between work and, and personal is really, really important. So creating some awareness around that. But I think where it really becomes beneficial is having teams open up the conversation, set goals for themselves, and then create a really supportive environment where teams are supporting each other to set those foundations. So that's step number one. Step number two is then really around education. So teaching leaders and managers particularly, how do they build a resilient self, but then how do they create an environment for their teams that supports resilience and, and there's a whole range of things we need to think about there. Shifting mindsets around how we accept challenge. So instilling confidence that we can push ourselves outside of our comfort zones, make mistakes, feel supported, and that's all part of the learning experience. So there's a whole lot in that. But the key message there is we need to educate leaders and managers around how to build resilient teams And then finally, the third step is then how do we execute? How do we actually make this happen? So teaching organisations to set goals, track their progress, celebrate the wins, and then refine some of these practices that they can embed. So have you found when organisations or particularly individuals don't believe in setting goals, have you found that they aren't as resilient as leaders who do and and organisations? Yeah, absolutely, Donnie. And I I love this concept of building accountable cultures and, and accountable teams. At the end of the day, accountability is not punishment. As leaders, we love to have goals to work towards. As human beings, we love to have goals because we feel good about ourselves. We can celebrate our wins. So for individuals who are not comfortable with goal setting, it's really helping them see the personal benefits of having achievable goals to work towards, which does build resilience. And therefore, does that roll into how you reward your teams? Absolutely. And I'm a big fan of having authentic reward systems. And what I'm talking about there is how do we celebrate the small wins? How do we reinforce the behaviours that are taking the organisation to the next level? And how do we focus on the little things frequently that keep just putting coins into that jar? It builds resilience, it builds trust, and it builds slowly, but you get that really solid foundation. And I think that's probably the area we all need to focus on because we tend to get the quick wins or get the win and then move on to the next one and move, and we forget to celebrate, don't we? Absolutely. And in fact, with my teams, we, we have a daily celebration. So we start every meeting sharing good news or gratitude. And often that gratitude is for something that someone else in the team has done. It's exceptionally powerful. Okay, so note to self. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Tell us about the process you have coined the high performance journey. What does it involve and how can businesses start on their own high performance journey? So having worked with organisations for so many years in the context of helping them build high performance organisations, it's always fascinating to me to understand what has happened in the journey up until the point when businesses engage us. And often what I find is leaders have been throwing darts at the dartboard for many years, trying to find the silver bullet or trying to hit the target in terms of how to build a high-performance organisation through both reflecting on research but also just years of trial and error. What we've identified is that there's a logical sequence of things that leaders need to do if they truly want to build a high-performance organisation. And it starts with getting the foundations right. So those foundations are all around strategy. So we need to have clear direction and get everybody aligned to where we're going. It's about culture. So how do we create that culture of psychological safety where we can speak up, where we can challenge, where we feel valued and can be the best versions of ourselves and getting the fundamentals of your systems and processes in place when it comes to people practices. So getting that solid foundation then enables you to move to the next step, which is then about performance. And when we talk about performance, it's about team effectiveness. It's about building a culture of accountability and shifting accountability from the role of leaders to one whereby everybody's holding themselves and each other accountable. And that ultimately leads to high performance teams. From there, the final phase is then about growth. So you've got all the critical ingredients in place and that's where you start to really enhance your systems of work. You're looking at leadership development. You're looking at your people planning, succession planning is starting to really have an eye on the future in the context of your strategy. So there is a logical sequence and the challenge many leaders have is without understanding that journey and the logical steps, they're not getting maximum benefit from the initiatives that they're putting in place. But the wonderful thing is there are businesses like yours that will help people along, don't work with them in a partnership to help them along because unfortunately in day-to-day life and many demands on leaders these days, they're just going for the next thing, the next thing and, and trying to tick off a long list of actions. And that's why you don't want them to get down into the weeds and do the managing of the business. You want them to stay on the strategic on the inspiring leadership journey. That's right, Donnie. I love the expression that sometimes you've got to slow down to speed up and giving leaders the permission to think, to actually stop and plan out what this journey is going to look like then just accelerates performance. It's really rewarding to watch. Good friend manager uh, used to be in my team, used to say, hurry slowly. <laughs> yes, yes, love it. <laughs> So most leaders are struggling to recruit and retain employees in this now war for talent era, and we're seeing big sign-on bonuses and retention bonuses being paid, as well as pay increases way above CPI just to attract or or retain our talent. Some are even investing in professional development, yay, (laughs) for their employees. So is there anything else leaders should be considering in attracting and retaining their talent? Mm, Yeah, it's a really good question, Donnie. And you're right, we've fallen into an employee market and subsequently there's a lot of pressure on salaries and employees have really changed their expectations coming out of COVID in terms of what the workplace should look like. Some organisations have adapted well to that, others haven't. So there's a combination of things here. One of the early concepts I think leaders need to get their head around is that 
things that differentiated them previously as an employer are now expectations. So the obvious one is the ability to work from home or flexible work arrangements. It's no longer a point of differentiation. And in fact, if you're not doing it, you're going to be at a significant disadvantage. So in addition to the things that you mentioned, there's three additional things I think leaders can do. The first is to create a clear sense of purpose for their employees. So why are we here? What's the employee value proposition? So why would great people want to come and work here? And being really clear about communicating that not only to the market so you can attract prospective employees, but your current employees as well. And the interesting thing there is that you need to co-create this with your team. So you don't need to be sitting back and guessing, but rather engage them, ask them, what would make this the dream job for you? And how can we make this happen? Not can we, but how can we? So that would be the first thing. And it's about really understanding your people. Different pockets of employees will actually want different things. So the more you can move towards a nimble, agile approach versus a one-size-fits-all, the greater the advantage there. The second theme, and it's interesting to look at why people are leaving organisations, is often it's because they don't feel valued and supported. And this is such a basic human need. However, leaders often don't do it well, to your point, because they're busy in the doing and they're not actually stepping back and recognising that one of their most critical roles is to create an environment where their people do feel valued and appreciated. So how do we create a sense of community? How do we create meaningful connections so that people know that their expertise and the effort and what they're putting into the organisation is appreciated. Because if you can get people feeling that way, they'll walk over hot coals for you. They'll do anything. I totally agree. And it was interesting when I was in recruitment, Trudy, that the top 10 reasons why people left organisations, number 10 was cash, not number one. Yeah. Trudy, you are truly amazing, a great inspiration to leaders all over the world, not just here. And we really appreciate you giving us your very valuable time to do this podcast episode. Oh, thank you, Donnie. It's such a pleasure. It's something I'm so passionate about and the, the opportunity to engage with Behind Closed Doors and yourself is a wonderful one. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Women on the Move, the Behind Closed Doors podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. To find out more about Behind Closed Doors, visit www.behindcloseddoors.com where you can find the full range of membership options. Women on the Move was recorded on Ghana lands and is a narrative network audio production.